Hi, I'm Ming-Na Wen. I play Agent Melinda May for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you are now listening with me to the big, beautiful... What? <laughs> Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone. Not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... No, I used to have to get the airbrush out, and now it's such a mess, and, you know, hard to clean up and hard to work, and, uh, you know, now I'll just pop it in the, in the computer, you know, two quick <laughs> pushes of a button, and I've got a lightsaber uh, uh, blade, you know, glowing nicely, just like in the movie. So. <laughs> lightsaber Photoshop brush. <laughs> That's it, yep. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. We're on Twitter at the GBB Podcast. We're on Facebook at the GBB Podcast as well. How are you doing? Me? I'm assuming you're talking to me. Yeah. I'm doing very well, Justin. How are you doing? I am doing great. And we were talking about this off air, but I said, let's take it on air. And Like like a true rebel. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Jamie is, you're headed out to... What starts your Star Wars viewing experience in a few hours? I am. Um, well, yeah. By the time this episode drops, I'll probably be in the middle of it. Um, this is going to date this episode, but it's okay because we're talking about Star Wars. Uh, the day this episode um, drops is the day that The Force Awakens opens. Um, and I am um, doing one of those uh, seven film marathons. So it starts at 1 a.m. in the morning and it goes all day. And The Force Awakens is set to start at 7 p.m. Brave man. Uh, that's one word for it. Uh, it's probably <laughs> not the word that my wife uses. <laughs> well, you see, here's my thing about it. And we didn't have the option to do the marathon. I don't know if even if I would have did it. Yeah. Um, mostly because <laughs> Sarah la- my my wife. There she is. <laughs> My wife is in the background. She laughed. She wouldn't have let me or she wouldn't have did it with me. But yeah. um, I think by the time Force Awakens came onto the screen, I would be so tired. Yeah. You know, I don't even know how I would watch it. I'm prepared to be exhausted. I'm, I'm kind of tired at this moment. And again, dating the episode, it's, it's going to start in just a few hours. My time, like right now, as I sit here um, and I'm already pretty tired. Uh, and making it, I'm not going to lie, making it through the prequels is going to be kind of rough. Um, I have had it suggested to me that I just load up the riff tracks on my phone and, and listen, have those, you know, in, in my in uh, <laughs> headphones listening to that, which I may still do. I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but I may still do that. Um, but it's been a long time since I've watched the original trilogy on the big screen. So I feel like by the time those That's roll true. around tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be able to enjoy them. Um, and then... Yeah, I mean, by 7 o'clock tomorrow night, it'll have been um, 18 hours or something. <laughs> I mean, it's going to have been a crazy amount of time. Um, but the way that they've set it up is that there's like an hour and a half between Jedi and Force Awakens so we okay. can go grab dinner. So I'm thinking like in that hour and a half, I'm going to get dinner. 
I'm going to get psyched up. I'm going to yeah. go excited. I think like it's going to be like the adrenaline's going to kick in at that right. point. It's not like they're just showing the film and click, okay, here's Force Awakens. Yeah, no, <laughs> we've got time between each. And like, I, I, I don't know if it's between, I think it might be between three and four tomorrow morning. There's like an hour and a half to go grab some breakfast or whatever. Okay. So, um, okay. so yeah. Don't that, go fall asleep in your car. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh God. I wake up and it's like 8.15 that night. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I made it through the prequels and then missed everything else. <laughs> so everybody, we hope this is where we dated the episode anyway. So I hope you're, I hope you're still listening. Still, I hope you're not. Yeah. Still listening. And I hope your star Wars viewing experience is good. I'm going tomorrow night as well. I will actually get to start my Force Awakens an hour before Jamie. Yes. Which I'm bragging about. Not and sure. from what I've heard, a couple of the Geek Dads have already seen it. They went to the press screenings. Right. Um, and they have just been... Ra- I mean, no spoilers. I haven't gotten any spoilers. Right. All they've said is that it's clear that J.J. Abrams loves the franchise as much as we do. Yeah. And that comes across in the film. So well, Yeah, and one of the guys at the... at the One of the celebrities, I forget who it was, that was at it came out. And all they tweeted was, J.J. did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, I mean, hopefully this is not going to be like an episode one thing where like people years from now are listening to this episode and going, oh, my God, can yeah. you believe what they're saying? Yeah. Can you believe what they used to think? Yes. <laughs> but um, what they didn't but, know is the second movie was a flop. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we are right now. Um, and yeah, we usually don't date the episodes like this. Um, but uh, since today's guest is um, pretty much very integrally tied to Star mm-hmm. Wars. We thought that it would uh, make sense to have him come out this week on this this week's episode and, and talk a little bit about The Force Awakens before we got to it, though. Right, and that makes me want to say, and who are we talking to? We are talking <laughs> to Dave Dorman, um, who, if you know Star Wars, you know his work. Um, there are probably three artists whose work have come to define the look and feel of Star Wars. Um, and that's Ralph McQuarrie, who did all the concept artwork. It's Drew Struzan, who did uh, the original poster artwork. And it's Dave Dorman, who did a lot of work on the, uh, the when Dark Horse got the license for the comics, and they basically brought the franchise back from the dead. Um, and so he did a lot of the covers for the various Dark Horse comics. He did the covers for the Young Jedi Knights novels. Um, he's his art has just become iconic. Some of those Dark Horse images to this day are still some of the most famous images from Star Wars that are not, you know, poster images or something like, or, or you know, or like I said, the original Ralph McQuarrie concept art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just an absolute pleasure to have him on the show and just sort of geek out a little bit about Star Wars and about his career and about, you know, his artistic process. His, his road to becoming an artist is a lot different than most because he's self-taught and um, looking at his art, you would never think that somebody who could be mm-hmm. that detailed and that skilled would really be self-taught. Right. Um, so it was just fascinating to talk to him. And it is a really fascinating conversation, so we're going to play that for you right now. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time today. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I got to start off with just a little bit of a story, which will lead into a question. Um, I have been a Star Wars collector for most of my life. Uh, I started, well, gosh, I had so much when I was a kid and I wasn't like collecting then. But at some point, I think I was in middle school. um, 
I started really collecting again, and I'm probably going to be dating myself here, and so you can figure out how old I am. But oh um, yeah, don't worry about that. I'm older <laughs> than you, so no problem. Um, but you know, there are not many individual moments I remember above others. You know, within Star Wars fandom or just in my general life, I have a terrible memory. Um, but there is one that stands out, and I remember it with so much clarity. And it was I was in a in a mall. I was just walking through the mall, and I passed. Um, it was either a bookstore or a comic book store, but there, like on a display rack right in the front, um, was a was a whole bunch of new uh, new comics, and there was a brand new Star Wars comic there. Um, and at that time, there were no, there was nothing new for Star Wars. This was, you know, there was absolutely nothing coming out. Star Wars was almost a dead property. But I was trying to collect the entire Marvel original Marvel run from the seventies and eighties. So comics and star Wars were sort of on my mind. Um, right. and that book was dark empire and it was 1991. Um, and it just sort of blew my mind. I, I grab, like, I, I, I don't think I've ever literally just like run and grab something in both of my hands. And I knew at that moment I just had to, open. <laughs> um, yeah. but I mean, when you, like I said, that was so sort of like a, it, star Wars was, was dead at that point. And well, I know you had been developing, you'd done, you know, you had been brought on months before then. Um, so like, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about, you know, oh, we're going to do a new Star Wars series? Well, it was very exciting for me too, because uh, I was a, a Star Wars fan, you know, from the very beginning, uh, 1977, when I went to see the movie and on opening day. And, um, uh, well, I was actually a Star Wars fan before that because I read the novelization that came out in December mm -hmm. uh, before that. And I was um, a film fan, so, you know, there were um, magazine articles about this, you know, uh, new science fiction adventure that was called The Star Wars. And uh, they had a couple of photos and talked about George Lucas. And, you know, I'd been familiar with his filmmaking uh, uh, with American Graffiti and THX 1138. And, and it sounded really fun. And... and uh, the novelization came out, I read that, and I thought if they could capture half of what's in the novel on screen, it's going to be a great film. So uh, they did, and you, you can see where it turned out. Yeah. But you're right, in um, in the late 80s and, and uh, you know, up until 1990, there was a, a great dearth of, of Star Wars material. Uh, the movies that had played out, the initial three movies had played out, Marvel, uh, was at the end of its run uh, in their comic books. Uh, Hasbro had uh, sort of sort of mined as much as they could out of mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know the toys, and so there really wasn't anything. But you know, Star Wars fans were clamoring for more material, and uh, I think Dark Horse was uh, was very uh, smart in uh, realizing that. And uh, the, the novels had uh, uh, just come out from, I think, Ballantyne. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they were sparking, uh, you know, interest because it was new material. And so we came out uh, with Dark Empire sort of right on the heels of those novels. And it was all sort of, sort of coming together because, um, you know, working with Lucasfilm, they wanted to start a continuity, not just have you know, willy-nilly, you know, novels here and there that really didn't tie into anything. You know, they were Star Wars novels, but there was no, no continuity. Right. And so at this time, um, when Lucasfilm started, uh, um, you know, the, the literary uh, resurgence of material, uh, they, you know, decided to have a, uh, a sort of continuity editor that would be taking all of this material and making sure that it all fit within the, the, 
what is now called the expanded universe. Right. But it was all uh, all new material um, that would work together. The comics would work with the novels, which would work with the radio shows, and and um, uh, would work with you know new toys and and things of that nature. Um, so uh, uh, you know the comics, Dark Empire, uh, coming out in 1991, uh, really fed into uh, the uh, sort of sort of hungry fandom uh, in Star Wars. And it was sort of the right place at the right time. And, and I was lucky enough to be there at the right place at the right time to um, be involved in, in painting and covers and working with Ken Kennedy and, and Tom Veach in uh, uh, you know, starting the ball rolling with the resurgence of, of Star Wars with Dark Empire. Did you ever think that your work would have such a lasting effect? Um. Not to the extent that it has. I mean, my major excitement with working um, with this, uh, uh, you know, product was that I was a Star Wars fan, mm -hmm. and I was getting to contribute uh, to you know the mythology that um, uh, helped me uh, grow as as an artist and and as a creative person, and and has was you know a great part of my life, you know, up to that point. And, you know, when I saw the movie in 77, I was the same age as Luke Skywalker. I was 17 years old. And uh, so, you know, the movie resonated with me a little bit more than, than just being, um, you know, a, a fun action adventure. You know, I could relate a little bit more to Luke, you know, at that point. So, so you know, it was a big part of my life. But I, you know, I started my career doing, you know, science fiction and comic book stuff, and and uh, I, I enjoyed doing that, you know, up to this point. But I really didn't think that, you know, Star Wars was something that I would get involved. In. I thought I was, I thought Star Wars was too big, you know, for <laughs> a, a small artist like me. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, as any craftsman would do, I, I honed my craft. I got better at. at you know, drawing and painting and telling stories. And, um, you know, fates just sort of guided me to uh, be working with Dark Horse, you know, from the mid-'80s, you know, doing various things and was at the right place. And actually it started out with uh, Indiana Jones because uh, they were doing an Indiana Jones book uh, a year before Star Wars. Yeah. And so I did the covers for Indiana Jones, which got my work into Lucasfilm. Hmm. And so when it came to, um, you know, putting my hat in the ring for doing the covers for Dark Empire, Lucas had already uh, liked my work with Indiana Jones, and they thought it was a good fit uh, for the covers. Now, Cam Kennedy was originally supposed to do the covers, but I, I've known Cam for a long time, and, and when he heard that I was interested in doing the covers and, and Dark Horse was thinking about it, he stepped back and said, let Dave do the cover. So, wow. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, small things that, that fate sort of, um, you know, it pushed me forward and, uh, and, you know, got me into that situation. And here it is more than 25 years later. I'm still, still doing Star Wars artwork. I'm still enjoying it as much as I, I did, you know, back in the day when, when I was doing covers. And, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do more. Yeah. Well, I think it's... Um... What's incredible to me is that you're, you were talking about Dark Empire and you're, 
your covers for that series and the sequel series, they became iconic. You know, these images that, of, you know, of Luke, you know, slowly turning to the dark side. And um, right. th- those covers and the look and the feel of those covers pr- are pretty much credited with creating that Dark Horse house style. You know, like they, they kept to that that feel, you know, for many years to come. But what amazes me when you look at those covers is the skill and the craftsmanship that you poured into it. But I read that you describe yourself as being a self-taught artist. And that right. just kind of blows my mind that, you know, you cut you. I look at those paintings and I think that there's no way that somebody could teach himself <laughs> how to paint that well. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to remember I'm self-taught, but at that point I was, um, uh, probably about 15 years in, into my professional career. So, you know, at the beginning, you, you look at my early stuff and you say, wow, that guy is really self-taught, isn't he? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like anything. You keep working and, and challenging yourself and getting better at what you do. And, uh, you know, eventually it's not really, you know, uh, how you learned how to do it. It's, it's you know, what the art says when yeah. you see it. And so, um, you know, I, I certainly encourage uh, young artists when I do lectures and demonstrations and such to, uh, you know, follow their own path because that's what I did. I didn't have any teacher saying you, you can't do this and you're not supposed to mix paint like that and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was sort of unencumbered, uh, in, in being able to teach myself, especially with various techniques that, uh, uh, are very unique to what I do and, and no other artists, uh, do. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of, of, you know, wanting to continually make myself better at my craft that, uh, you know, got me to, you know, that point in, in 1991 when I was able to do, you know, very, um, you know, tight likenesses of the characters, you know, give a more movie poster-like effect to uh, the paintings, uh, you know, give the, um, uh, give the viewer, the, the collector, um, you know, an image on a cover that's a little bit more than just, you know, what Marvel was doing during there. And the regular comic books, which are line drawings with color, or a little bit of, of uh, you know, computer color was just sort of starting back then, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as prevalent as it is now. Uh, but I wanted to give, give the viewer um, uh, who came to the store um, a brand new movie poster every issue. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do, and um, uh, you know, if if it's if it's resonated with fans since then, you know, I've achieved what I wanted, what I wanted to, and I'm really happy that that I was able to be part of you know this this re-emergence uh, of fandom, and, and I really do think that uh, um, you know we started that ball rolling to to you know, get Lucas thinking about the prequels and getting the prequels mm-hmm. done and. Uh, you know, it all sort of that ball keeps rolling up until uh, now where we've got episode seven coming yeah. out next month. It just keeps going. Yep, exactly. Um, and so I know that, you know, in those years that you were, you know, honing your craft and, and teaching yourself the best way for you to approach your art, um, I know that you were inspired by Star Wars when you were still young, but I'm wondering what else did you look to for inspiration and guidance as you were, you know, finding your way, I guess. Oh, well, Star Wars uh, uh, certainly was visually interesting, and that really, really sort of um, uh, ex- expanded my um, visual sense as far as um, you know, the, the world and, and how it was built. And, 
And as I said earlier, I, I was a film fan, so I was looking into how the special effects were done and model making and, and you know, texturally, you know, how they created uh, this sort of used universe. Um, but I was also being influenced by, you know, other artists um, that uh, I learned from, especially illustrators from the early part of, of the uh, 20th century. Um, this, uh, as it turns out, once I got to know um, uh, about George Lucas and eventually uh, got to meet him and, and talk a little bit about art, uh, he was also a fan uh, and still is a fan of, of early 20th century illustrators. Mm -hmm. And so um, these are people like N.C. Wyeth and, and uh, Fisher Landecker and Norman Rockwell to an extent, um, Dean Cornwell. Um, uh, classic illustrators that did book and, and magazine illustrations. Those, those were definitely influences on me um, for um, you know, painting, uh, comic books, uh, you know, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and, sure. and John Buscema and, and Jim Stranko and, and uh, you know, a host of other illustrators from the uh, late 60s, you know, through the 70s and into the 80s. Uh, those were all, all people that, that you know, spurred my imagination. And I read a lot of science fiction. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much you know all I read when I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of uh, mind-expanding experiences, uh, uh, non-drug-related, uh, when I was younger. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that really helped me a lot in being able to, uh, um, you know, envision what I what I want to paint and what I think others would like to see me do. Yeah. Um, your art is usually described as being "quote unquote" photorealistic, um, and I'm wondering if you would still use that term to, to describe your art style. Uh, not really. Uh, photorealism. Uh, there's there's a couple of terms that I, I tend to um, uh, uh, consider within the art community. Photorealism being one of those, which uh, tends to be a very realistic depiction of, of something. Uh, right down to the minutia of the detail. I, I that's not what I do because what I'm doing is I'm even though I tend to paint a little bit more realistically, it's more illustrative. You can tell it's it's a painting rather mm -hmm. than just you know a reproduction of a photograph. Right. Uh, so I I sort of call what I do dynamic realism. Uh, I I you know, use a, a realistic approach to. Um, uh, paint uh, the imagery uh, that makes the illustration what it is. Uh, but it's not photorealistic because um, I, I use you know, illustrative elements to it. I, I use you know, broad strokes or, or I, I put in motion lines with colored pencil or uh, I do things that make it, make it look like a piece of art rather than a photograph. Right. But you know, when it comes down to painting the characters, or the actors that play the characters, yes, there is a photorealistic element to that because um, two things. One, um, I want to make sure that the reader can relate to those characters. So when they see that character, they can say, yes, that's Han Solo, and Han Solo is Harrison Ford. Right. Um, so I want to make sure that when they see Han Solo, they see um, Luke, they see Leia, they see the, the actor because that's what they expect to see. And second, secondly, you know, Lucasfilm wants to keep their property um, uh, pure. 
And so they don't want different artistic interpretations. They want interpretations that do reflect mm-hmm. actors that play the characters. So I'm achieving, you know, what I want to achieve. I'm giving Lucasfilm what they want to, uh, with the likenesses being you know, exactly like in the movies. And the fans um, uh, have no problem uh, saying, that doesn't quite look like Han Solo. <laughs> oh, is that some other character that's just dressed like him? So, you know, um, yeah, there is that, that end of photorealism uh, works within my piece. But I, I wouldn't really say I'm a photorealism uh, painter. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, fantastic realism maybe, but not photorealism. Well, you mentioned that one. So when you're ta- when you're painting an actual character or a person, how long does it usually take you until you're satisfied with how he, you know, he or she looks and you step back and you say, yep, I, that's, I can't get much closer to that person without it actually being a photograph? <laughs> uh, that's always uh, uh, a roll of the dice when I'm working. Uh, sometimes I can hit it right on the nose. Uh, sometimes I have some problems, and, and it's just a matter of working through it. Yeah. Uh, you know, time can vary. You know, it may take an hour to do, you know, a nice, uh, you know, a nice headshot, or it may take, you know, two days. Um, you know, it's just, you know, problems inherent in, in, you know, the paint and my approach and, and, uh, you know, various factors. So I can't, I can't say there's a general, um, answer to that question. Um, uh, although, you know, I, I could tell you that I put more work into Carrie Fisher because um, uh, I, I, you know, she's very pretty, and that's what I want to achieve in the art. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's really hard to capture. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't say this in any negative way, but I tend to um, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time on her because she's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been fortunate enough to really put a star a stamp on the star Wars universe. In addition to the dark empire series, you've also done the covers for tales of the Jedi X wing crimson empire and the young Jedi Knights novels of all of the star Wars covers and paintings you've done. Do you have a favorite? And I know that's a loaded question, but I have to ask, do you have a favorite? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I mean, as far as, as, uh, uh, historically, um, you know, Dark Empire number one, you know, has has to be that one because that's really where everything started. Um, uh, I think that the uh, portrait of Dark Luke from uh, uh, Dark Empire number two, yeah, where he's standing in front of the world devastators, mm-hmm. uh, that's a really nice single character portrait, uh, and I think that's that's a real powerful piece. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of covers that I did that were a lot of fun. Um, here's, here's a story that, that I think um, uh, might interest uh, the listeners, and, and it pertains to one of my favorite pieces as well. Uh, when I was doing um, a Crimson Empire, uh, the story was about um, uh, after Return of the Jedi, when the uh, Emperor and Darth Vader are both killed, uh, there's a, a power vacuum. Uh, that opens up. Uh, there's no leader per se. Mm-hmm. And so the story uh, for Crimson Empire in, in general was the stormtroopers wanted one of their uh, uh, guys to uh, head up the new empire or the rebuilding of the empire. And uh, the Imperial Guard, which were the red uh, um, uh, sort of uh, special guards, 
for um, uh, the Emperor and Darth Vader, um, uh, they wanted one of theirs to, to be the leader. So there was like this political and physical sort of infighting uh, going on. So um, I was doing the covers for, for Crimson Empire, which is this story, and I did a cover for, I believe it was issue number four, where there was one uh, Crimson Guard atop a pile of uh, stormtroopers. So it was this red yeah. uh, character uh, fighting just a whole mass of white uh, stormtroopers. And um, I, I sort, of, sort of did an homage to uh, one of my favorite artists, Frank Grisetta, who did a similar uh, uh, type of piece for Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I did this piece, you know, very consciously wanting to sort of capture that power and that effect of one one figure being able to defeat all of these um, uh, stormtroopers. And uh, it turned out to be a real nice piece. I liked it a lot. It's it gotten a lot of fan um, uh, uh, fan accolades. Um, uh, and just as, as a side note, um, George Lucas and, and his office have a, an agreement with me that they have the right to pur- purchase any uh, artwork that I produce uh, for Star Wars. Um, well, it's a and, nice agreement to have. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, is, it is very nice. So they, they did uh, purchase this particular piece of artwork, and it is in... Uh, Skywalker Ranch or, or Lucas Arts or Lucas Films offices somewhere, uh, hopefully hanging up. Um, but they own the original on that. Um, you know, step uh, forward um, um, probably about ten years, uh, which takes us back about uh, three years. And Abrams uh, is doing this large book collection called Star Wars Comics. Mm-hmm. It's a hardback book. Uh, it's probably about 200, 250 pages maybe of the best Star Wars art that was done in comics. And I get a call from uh, the, my editor at Abrams, and he says, um, uh, we just got a call from uh, Lucasfilm's offices, and George wants to use this painting of this one uh, uh, Imperial Guard fighting the uh, um, Stormtroopers. As his as his personal choice for the cover for this book, and I was just wow, really. I said, yeah, well, you know, do you have a, a good you know transparency for it so that we can you know make the production from it? So um, I was just sure, no problem there. But um, no, it's it's it, it really made me feel good, you know, both as as a, a creator uh, of of that particular piece and you know, a fan of George Lucas's, that he, you know, took the time and chose that particular piece as, as his favorite piece to, you know, represent, to be on the cover yeah. of that particular book. And, um, you know, it, it made a lot of what I do very worthwhile. You know, I've had a chance to talk with uh, George a couple of times, and, and uh, you know, I enjoy, uh, you know, the time that we get to speak, which is always about art. It's never about films. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know, to know that that uh, you know, even though he he buys the artwork for his um, uh, archives, and hopefully they'll show up in the museum that they're building here in Chicago at some point. Um, you know, it's good to know that that um, you know he sees that artwork as um, a, a a part of the mythology of Star Wars. Sure. And so you know, my 
my legend is built, so, <laughs> uh, so to speak. You know, um, you know, I am part of Star Wars now, and it's it's a it's a great feeling. Yeah, uh, because it's 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 a wonderful wor- world to be in. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it must be like you said; it was you know. It's rewarding, but it must just be, I mean, I don't even think rewarding covers it. Just incredibly rewarding to know that that one image that you painted was chosen to be sort of representative of all the best art that appeared in the comics, you know? So it's like, that is the best of the best. And that's what they're going to use as their showpiece on the cover of the book of the best. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It makes, it makes me feel great. And, and it's something that I, I, you know, um, uh, just, just have as a great warm feeling in my heart to know that, that you know, it's not, not only affected, you know, him, but it's affected my fans and Star Wars fans all around the world. Sure. You're talking about, you know, doing you know, these iconic covers, but when you're given a new cover or a new assignment for whatever it is, um, what kind of guidance do you generally get? Like, do you get a complete script that you're just supposed to go by or does the author prepare spec notes for what the, the cover should look like? I guess I'm just wondering how much freedom you generally have. Um, it, it depends on, on what the project is. There's, there's any number of ways that it can be approached. Um, if I'm doing, say, a cover for a novel, uh, I can either be sent the whole novel Mm-hmm. Uh, and read through. I can be sent a chapter breakdown, or or I can be sent like a two paragraph descriptive uh, uh, text, uh, you know, from the art director about specifically what they want. If I'm sent a novel, usually they're giving me the freedom to choose an image that is a good style for, uh, you know, the cover of the book, something that will grab the the eye of the reader uh, when uh, the book is on the stand. Uh, so you know, sometimes I do have a lot of freedom. Uh, when I'm doing a comic book cover, um, it's sometimes the same way. Uh, I'll get uh, you know a, a script from the writer. Sometimes I'll get pages from the penciler. Um, sometimes the editor will just say, you know, we want uh, you know these two characters fighting, and uh, you know put them on uh, you know on on the deck of a you know star destroyer. Yeah. So. Uh, sometimes, sometimes there is a lot of flexibility, and, and sometimes uh, there is some specific needs um, uh, that need to be uh, achieved. Um, I can work, you know, either way. I'm happy to work either way. Um, one of the the main things that um, that I'm um, I'm hired for specifically is, is that I've done a lot of licensed material, not just Star Wars, but like I said, Indiana Jones earlier. I've done. Uh, G.I. Joe, I've done Aliens and Predator and Batman and just a lot of different things. So uh, I'm I'm pretty well known for being able to hit licensed uh, imagery, sure. you know, fairly cleanly and, and you know, like the, the client wants. Uh, so um, you know, I know that, that when one of those, you know, projects uh, comes my way, that they are hiring me to make sure that the license looks like it's supposed to. And so uh, that, that's a primary um factor in in how I approach uh, the work. I want, I want to make sure that that, that licensed uh, character or creature or or piece, you know, uh, is you know set within a dynamic image and, and is, is a grabber for the reader. Yeah. Um, I have a, a copy of the 
The Art of Dave Dorman, which came out in 1996, which is a long time ago now. But I just love the book. It's one of those books that you just, it's a great book to flip through and just, you know, marvel at the art. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I'm hoping to do another one at some point, bring everything up. Oh, that would be great. Uh, An updated version. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I when we put that book together back in 96, that was only five years after I had started to do Star Wars. And yeah. There was, there's a wealth of material there. I was very surprised at how much I had done when we put that book together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, goes really well with the, the, my question is because there's a section in that book that details the techniques that you use and walks you through, you know, a step-by-step process for how you approach an, a, a new painting or an illustration. And I'm just wondering how much has your process changed over the years? Um, not very much, actually. Uh, some things... You know, I, I've tweaked. I, I tend to uh, use acrylic a little bit more in the detail aspects of, of uh, the painting. Uh, I tend to use a little bit more multimedia um, uh, as far as, you know, color pencils and and uh, different different types of, of you know, paints being used. Um, I uh, uh, tend to use Photoshop a little bit more as far as building uh, reference material. Um, as you as you look through that, you see that I do use reference material for the characters and such. So uh, uh, the the advance of technology certainly has helped um, being able to uh, um, utilize more uh, reference uh, material. Right. Um, but you know the, the basic uh, you know drawing is still the same, and and transferring it to the board, you know, with the the graphite paper, spraying it, and then painting right on top of the board. That's still the same way it was back in 96 and back, you know, in the early days in 86 and before that, too. So, you know, some things don't change, but uh, certainly the the uh, uh, advent of, of, you know, computers and modern technology has made things a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, it's, in Star Wars, especially with lightsabers. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to have to get the airbrush out, and now it's such a mess, and you know, hard to clean up and hard to work, and uh, you know, now I'll just pop it in the in the computer. You know, two <laughs> quick pushes of a button, and I've got a lightsaber uh, uh, blade. You know, glowing nicely, just like in the movies. So <laughs> that that certainly has made life easier for uh, uh, the Jedi Knights and, and the Sith uh, warriors in in, in my artwork. <laughs> Lightsaber Photoshop brush. <laughs> you betcha, yep. Um, you recently did a cover for Spider-Gwen number one, which was apparently the first cover you've done for a Marvel superhero book. How is that possible, and why has it taken so long? <laughs> well, um, you know, I've done work for Marvel, but it hasn't been superhero work. Right. Uh, I did uh, Conan the Barbarian cover. I did some science fiction work for uh, Epic Magazine. Um, and I've done superheroes for DC. I've done Batman and Superman and, and um, you know, some of the other uh, uh, characters within that uh, uh, DC universe. But for Marvel, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, I, I did some superhero um, Marvel characters for Skybox um, collector's cards mm-hmm. uh, when they were very popular in the late 1990s. So it's not that I haven't done superhero right. paintings for Marvel. I've just never done a comic book cover right. thing superheroes. And it, it's it's weird because that's what got me into art was reading <laughs> Marvel comics in the late 60s. And so, um, uh, you know, it was, um, uh, you know, a real sort of, sort of 
you know, late in my career, groundbreaker <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, to have done that Spider-Gwen cover. And, and uh, it was a fun cover to do, and, and uh, I hope it opens the door for me to be able to do some more superhero work. I'd, I'd love to do Captain America. You know, I'd love to do Nick Fury, um, uh, you know, the Avengers. Uh, you know, Fantastic Four characters that uh, you know I grew up with. I'd love to, you know, do some uh, some cover work for that. But right. you know, maybe this will open the door. Like I say, we'll see where it goes. I hope so. You'd knock some of those some some. You'd knock all of those out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> A few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just as close to my heart as Star Wars is. So uh, maybe yeah. somebody listening to this will, uh, you know, poke Marvel a little bit and, and see what comes mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah, but you, I mean, you're still working for, you've got a, a variant cover for Vader Down, which is also Marvel now. Um, that is correct, yeah. I've been fortunate enough when um, uh, Marvel took over the um, Star Wars comics from uh, Dark Horse last year that uh, I was able to, um, uh, uh, Marvel did contact me about doing some uh, cover work and uh, in collaboration with uh, M&M Comics, which uh, I've done some retailer variants as well. Uh, for Star Wars, um, uh, it's uh, you know um, uh, sort of uh, um, lightening my heart a little bit because uh, I wasn't sure if uh, Marvel would uh, use any of the Dark Horse creators because I know that Marvel wanted to have their own look right. and their own, own approach to the Star Wars material. Um, but um, I, I've had, I had a lot of fans over the past two years asking me if I was going to be working for Marvel, and I just didn't know. And uh, for you know that call to come, you know, saying uh, you know let's uh, do a cover for Star Wars number one back last January, uh, I was yes, yes, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I've done um, four covers, I think, uh, so far. Yeah. Uh, for them and uh, hopefully that'll continue you know through next year and hopefully it'll include some uh, force awakens material that would be fun <laughs> that would be great does it feel, kind of feel like you're home working on star wars covers again absolutely absolutely um i've done uh more shows this summer than i have in any year past wow uh, star wars is so popular and, and on fire right now yeah and i go and and i have you know, old fans who talk about Dark Empire and Crimson Empire, and I've got new fans talking about the new Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars books, and and uh, you know having me sign books from from 25 years ago and from last month. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool, and and uh, you know I'm happy to be back in the saddle. Yeah, and we're happy to have you back. It's Thank it's you. you know as fans, it's it is reassuring in in a weird way to see familiar art or a familiar artistic style that you know those of us that are a certain age that we grew up with you know and um it's it is it gives you sort of that i want to say like a cozy warm feeling but it does it gives you it it reminds you of of where we were when we were young and and like super fans you know and so it's it is nice to see that that look and that feel back Right, and and I think that the, the film fans are seeing that, you know, by having uh, some of the, the uh, actors from the classic uh, Star mm-hmm. Wars be in Force Awakens, too. It, it's a, I think it's a very similar feeling, and, and uh, you know, I'm proud of the work that I've done in the past, and, and I think that, you know, I'm doing, uh, uh, to be honest, I think I'm doing better work now than yeah. I was doing back then. 
but that's just my growth as an artist and challenges that uh, new material brings and and uh, the excitement of being able to you know work with a new generation of uh, readers and, and creators and, and fans yeah well like I said it's great to have you back and I yeah. hope that you know I hope we get to see more and more covers and more and more work just not maybe you know beyond Star Wars like you said see some some superheroes some just other franchises some yep. original work it would be great yep I think you will just you know keep an eye on on my Facebook pages and my website and uh, you know we'll we'll put the word out as new material comes out absolutely fantastic and Dave thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today oh uh, it's been my pleasure thanks for having me thank you So that's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Jamie's got to head out. (laughs) I do. I've got a few hours left, and then I'm going to go hunker down for about 20 hours and just do do my Star Wars thing. (laughs) Do you think you're going to look back someday? I mean, you'll probably look back and be like, that was awesome that I did that. But do you think when you're 50, you're going to be able to do this again? What do you think? I'm amazed that I can do it at this point. I'm older than you. (laughs) And I, yeah, I'm amazed that I can do it at this point. I will tell you, you know, a little quick story. And I don't know if I told this before. Um, When the dark, the dark Knight rises came out. Mm -hmm. um, I was a really big fan as most people were of the first two films. And so I conned my wife into doing the Batman marathon. (laughs) So it was all three films leading up to the midnight premiere showing of the dark Knight rises. Um, and Batman Begins, I, I, I'm in the minority of people who think that Batman Begins is the best movie of that trilogy. Right. I know a lot of people just swear by The Dark Knight and say it's the best superhero movie ever. Eh. I think <laughs> Batman Begins is the best movie of that trilogy. So Batman Begins was amazing, blew us away. And both of us, after the movie, she turns to me and she goes, I can't, I had forgotten how great that movie was. And so we were just like, you know, super stoked. Right. Dark Knight comes on. And I don't know when the last time you've seen The Dark Knight was. And it's a good movie. But dear God, it is a, is it long? It's just, it dragged for yeah. us. And now this is leading up to, it must have started at maybe, what, nine o'clock or something. And it's leading up to, you know, what's going to be the midnight premiere. And so we we suffered through that movie. And so by the time Dark Knight Rises came on at midnight, both of us were just sort of just wiped. You know, it was <laughs> like, I mean, we enjoyed the movie. and It was really great, but it was like three o'clock in the morning when we got out of there. And she has to this day. She'll she'll never do another marathon because she won't let me forget right. that time because she felt she almost like she felt physically nauseous at the end of it because it was so long. <laughs> so basically, you turn and looked at each other and you're like, "Hey, do you want to get out of here? <laughs> Let's just get out of here." <laughs> so I'm luckily this is going to be just be me, but yep. this is like times three because it's seven movies. I'm I'm and I'm kind of worried to know what the rest of the theater is going to be like. Maybe I'm just might bring like deodorant and hand it out to the people surrounding me. <laughs> Hopefully they haven't been in line for 12 days. Well, no, that's it's the beauty of assigned seats is that nobody needs to wait in line. Anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening this week. You can find us on Twitter at the GBB podcast, same as Facebook at the GBB podcast. And Thank you for being listeners. If you want to give us a rating, we love reviews on iTunes, good or bad. And Jamie, you have a number they can call too. Yeah, if you want to give us, uh, if you don't feel like typing us a, a tweet or a Facebook message or an email or something, you can give us a call at 301-825-5653 and you can leave us a message there. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. 
This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.